this is the second Sunday in our series of looking at resurrection passages, passages where we uh, read about Jesus after the resurrection. Um, and a few days ago, I was uh, in the orchard in Grantchester, that nice cafe kind of place that you go to when you're trying to impress people. Uh, it's the kind of place I take my parents, that kind of thing. Um, Anyway, I uh, went to the men's toilets, as one does, um, and there was graffiti all over the toilets. And it said, in red capital letters, Jesus is alive. And it was on the cubicle, it was on the cubicle door, it was all across the wall on top of the urinals. Jesus is alive. Now, us men here will know that that's not normal uh, to go into men's toilets and see spiritual graffiti. In fact, it might have been my first time, actually. Not, normally, it's perhaps a little bit more rude um, and less tasteful. Um, but this was amazing, you know, to see Jesus is live all over it in red letters. You couldn't have avoided it. And Jesus is alive. He does live today. He walks. He lives. He is He was and he will be. He is alive today. And yet, the majority of our country, as I said earlier in setting the scene, would probably say, I'm not sure he is alive. When we talk about the resurrection, they might say, it's a nice story, it sounds good, but I don't believe that Jesus actually did rise from the dead. So how do we tell others about this? If we believe this to be true, how do we communicate it? Is it just through graffiti in toilets? Maybe it is, but I don't think it is. I think there's more to it. I think there's more that we can do to communicate. And I think in reading the passage that was read just now about Jesus on the road to Emmaus, we can learn some important messages about how to communicate God to people. And for me, um, as a youth worker in Camborne, um, I've been actually thinking quite a bit about this passage recently. And so for me, uh, it's been really helpful to prepare this talk and to think about it more. And if you don't mind, I'm going to be talking a bit about the youth work in Camborne as we look into this passage further. And whether you're directly interested in in that or not, I hope uh, there'll be things that we can all learn about how we can communicate God to people around us, whether that be young people in Camborne or whether that be people close to us in other ways. So just to give you some background, I'm the youth worker Uh, in Camborne, employed part-time by Camborne Church and part-time by Romsey Mill. Both employ me to work with young people aged 11 to 19 um, in Camborne, in the community and also in the church, to get to know them, build relationships with them, support them, and also to introduce God to them and to help them connect with God in some ways. And over the past 18 months, we've supported and done some work of significance with approximately 180 young people in Camborne, with whom we've got alongside in some positive way, whether it be individuals or in groups, and built relationships with them, whether it be in the church, out in the streets in Camborne, in the youth centre, on the mugger, or in their school. We've supported young people who are at risk of exclusion from school, uh, young people who use drugs, have been homeless, have mental health issues, have court cases, are in risky relationships, cause antisocial behaviour, are not in education, employment or training, have been victims of abuse, 
feel worthless, etc. And we've tried to support them with what they need by listening to them, by offering them practical help, by challenging them and offering them more positive activities so that they can find understanding in their lives and and have confidence in who they are. There have been lots of success stories of young people starting to turn their lives around and there have also been times of despair and young people falling into worse situations. But we believe the youth work that we're running is making a significant impact in the lives of young people in Camborne. And I would call this work journeying with young people, journeying. And I believe journeying is a key aspect of this passage on the road to Emmaus that Jesus takes with the couple. If you've got your Bibles, if you can get them open again, just we're going to be occasionally looking at um, some verses. So it's Luke 24 and verse 15. Verse 15 says, As they talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus himself came up and walked along with them. Now this was the actual day of Jesus' resurrection. The two people were downcast. We know the name of one of these people, Cleopas. We don't actually know the name of the other one. But Jesus walks the seven miles from Jerusalem to Emmaus with them. And he listens to them as they despair. He speaks with them and he challenges them. There are so many people that we need to listen to. That we must walk alongside. I believe it's vital that the church is truly in the community of Camborne. We can offer so much. We must be in the mess of life. God doesn't just hang around heaven waiting to be noticed. He gets stuck in. He's active. He lives in the situations. We see this most graphically in Jesus. God in flesh. God in Nazareth. A human in the world. God incarnate. Walking the seven miles with Cleopas and friends. He listened to them. He shared the time with them and he challenged them. And our youth work, and indeed all our ministry, must also be incarnate, in the flesh. We must be a living group of people in Camborne, living in the mess and the beauty of life. Not just together on a Sunday morning. Paul wrote the greatest three things in life of faith, hope and love. These must be offered in abundance. We must show that Jesus lives outside of the church building as well as in it. And so the relationships we build with those around us are so important. God cares about the whole person. Their needs, their troubles, their longings, their desires, their hopes. And us helping them is God's work. And I believe that we've done some life-changing work in Camborne with young people. But there's still a huge challenge for us. Because if we're honest, there's more that needs to be done. Isn't there something we know that can be life-transforming, not just life-changing? I've been reading a book recently called uh, The Faith of Generation Y by Bob Mayo and a few other people. And it was published last year. And it suggests that although young people really appreciate uh, Christian youth workers who really value and care for them and love them, and they can really see that, and 
despite the fact that actually the young people would say, yeah, I, I, I believe those youth workers are doing that because of their faith and because they believe in God. Despite all this, most young people don't actually believe in God themselves, don't turn to God because of that. More needs to be done for them to make that next step. Of the 180 young people that we've worked with recently in Camborne, only 50 have actually engaged in Christian activities. So you can see a massive gap of young people that haven't gone that next step. So it's a challenge for me, and it's a challenge for us as a church with the young people. How do we encourage that next step, connecting with God? And that's the case for us with other people we know, friends, colleagues, family. If you turn again to verse 29, but they urged him strongly, stay with us, for it is nearly evening, the day is almost over. So he went in to stay with them. We see here that the time that the couple had with Jesus meant something to them. They wanted to spend more time with him. And so they asked him in. And in those points with us in the relationships that we build, we've been given that opportunity to talk. We've built it through time and through respect. And in some ways, we've earned the right to communicate God. And we should do. Because if we believe and truly believe in the awesomeness of God, then we must give people the chance to hear it. We must continue to live lives of building relationships with them and caring about each part of them. But there is a point where we do need to communicate more of who God is if we do believe that he is as special as we should do. And how this is communicated will vary. And it's interesting, in this story, it's actually through communion that Cleopas and his friend's eyes are opened. And I believe that communion can actually teach us quite a bit about how it is best communicated, how God is best communicated to people. So if we look at verses 30 and 31. When he was at the table with them, he took bread, gave thanks, broke it, and began to give it to them. Then their eyes were opened, and they recognised him. Jesus had walked with the pair seven miles with them. They were attracted to his words and wanted to hear more from him. But it was only in taking communion that their eyes were opened to his glory. So what is it about breaking the bread and taking the wine that could bring such sudden understanding? What can we learn from this about how we can communicate to people that Jesus is alive? For me, there's, I mean, there's loads of things we could say about communion, loads of different points that we could learn about communion. But for me, I picked out two which can help us. And for me, there's something really profound about the way communion mixes the spiritual with the everyday. The everyday eating and drinking, yet the real revelation of God. And I believe we should really continue to communicate God through the everyday, Food and drink is what we need to survive. Food and drink is what we eat and drink every day to live. There's something very much at the core of who we are that we need it. And so when we share it with other people, we're connecting with them in a really special way because it's so vital to who we are. It's at the core of who we are in order to survive. And I believe that in that very basic level, Jesus can really live 
in the very nature of who we are, Jesus can be the everyday and yet so special. In such authentic living of the everyday, we find Jesus living. And I think to take it one step further, I think that actually the more we engage in the things that fire us up, the more we allow Jesus to live in us too. So for me, football is the thing that gets me going more than anything. Just playing it, watching it, everything about it just fires me up. And for you, it might be music, it might be another sport, it might be art, it might be all sorts of different things. It might be, I don't know, loads of different things. Something in us that really just gets us. And I think in those moments, we really live. And I believe Jesus can really use those moments in community with others to communicate more of who he is. We don't need to go on a course necessarily or suddenly you know, act all proper in church. We need to live authentic lives and Jesus will live in them because that's who we are. So the second thing about communion, the first thing is just it's the everyday food and drink. It's just normal, it's just everyday. The second thing about communion is that it's telling a story. The first communion occurred at the Last Supper, Jesus' Last Supper with his friends, the disciples. It was part of the Passover meal remembering how God brought the Israelites out of Egypt. He rescued them from the Egyptians and kept his promise, his covenant with them. Jesus then taught at the Last Supper about the new covenant, the new promise that God has with his people, which is made through what Jesus then goes on to do on the cross. And so in communion today, we remember God's unfailing promise and covenant to us. By engaging with communion ourselves, like we'll do in a bit, we're joining this story of God's unfailing promise to his people, his faithfulness. This story of Christianity is vital to our faith. And the church is the embodiment of this story. We embody it. There were Christians before, there are Christians now, and there will be Christians in the future. For people to believe in God and to not be a part of any kind of fellowship with other Christians could mean a discontinuation of the story. We therefore need to be inviting people to the church to join this story. What type and size of church will depend on the, the, the person and what's relevant to them and how we do this. And we must be creative in the ways that we do church to invite people to it. But it was through this combination in communion of the story of Christianity mixed with the real life, everyday food and drink, inspired by God's revelation that the two men saw Jesus' glory. And so as I finish, we must look to offer other people the same, whether it be young people, friends, colleagues, whoever, No one says telling people about God is easy. It's very often not. A writer, G.K. Chesterton, wrote, The Christian ideal has not been tried and found wanting. It has been found difficult and left untried. The Christian ideal has not been tried and found wanting. It has been found difficult and left untried. 
Whether it's young people in Camborne, our colleagues, members of the fam- our family, our friends, our spouse or someone else, we long to have them, their hearts burning within them like Cleopas and his friend did when they met Jesus and their eyes were open to him. For lives not just to be changed, but to be transformed by who he is. God's power and his love. This is surely our prayer for ourselves too, that our hearts are on fire for God. Jesus is alive, the graffiti was right, and we are his body. Let's walk alongside him as he walks alongside others, so that they can claim, just like Cleopas, it is true, the Lord has risen. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you that you are alive. We thank you that you live in all situations, in men's toilets, in the mess of life, and also in the beauty of life. Lord, help us to believe more in you. Help us to believe that the impossible is possible. Lord, we pray that you'll give us the courage to communicate more of who you are to people close to us. Give us that courage and that strength. And Lord, we pray that you'll set our hearts on fire for you. Amen.